0: Coming up on today's show, as soon as I let my guard down, you heard that noise that you never want to hear,
1: it, that grizzly growl, and it was right there. And the light and sound sensitivity i have since discovered are major symptoms of tick-borne diseases.
2: Of all things, she got bit by a spider down in Mexico, and that spider accelerated the dormant line which she didn't know she had.
3: Broadcasting from the Mid-Migration Outfitter Studios, this is the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast. How much direction are you getting from the governor? Minnesota DNR had reintroduced him into this area. I don't know, maybe he didn't want me to tell the story of the show, but I'm going to tell what, it anyway. I, I knew you were going to go there. I'm going to close the entire hunting season. Oh, so really? The Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast is brought to you by OnX. Know where you stand with Onex. Today's show is brought to you by Hay Bale Heights on Devils Lake. Visit haybaleheights.com for more. By Tazin Lake Lodge in northwest Saskatchewan. For trophy lake trout and northern pike, go to tazinlake.com. By Ottertail County. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And by Lake of the Woods Tourism. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. All right, welcome to the show. Please support our sponsors and check out our new store. We've added some new hats. One of my favorite new hats right here. This is another new one too. We've got some uh, some cool new mugs and also shirts just in time for hunting season. Pheasant hunters, waterfowl hunters. We've got some some blaze orange stuff, some camo uh, con- colored uh, new all over print shirts that are pretty cool. Deer hunters will have some gear for you coming soon. And it's because of the hunting seasons that um and really any outdoor recreation for that matter and uh, in the spring in the fall primarily that we're discussing the topic that we're going to have on the show today if you've ever walked around through the woods uh in this area in this region you're probably well aware of ticks uh, maybe you pulled them off your dog they're literally one of the reasons i don't get excited about turkey hunting in the spring i was hunting in north dakota one year i sat down next to a tree i must have sat right on a nest and uh, I pulled so many ticks off, I stopped counting when I got to 100. And that's when I said, okay, this is, uh, I'm mm. not sure if, if turkey hunting is for me necessarily. Uh, but in all reality, it's not the bug that bothers me so much. It's what happens, uh, it, it, what could happen if you're bit, the possibility of Lyme disease. I've watched dogs struggle with it. Uh, I've heard stories about how uh, debilitating it can be. A uh, singer, Avril Lavigne, of all people, uh, she might be more well-known to, to parts in my world, the people in my world, more with their affliction with Lyme disease than her, than her singing career. Uh, if treated quickly, Lyme disease can be managed. If it's not, or if it's misdiagnosed, complications could continue for many years. Uh, why are there so many mi- misdiagnoses? Some doctors even deny its existence. But why? A few minutes of searching the internet will bring up everything from symptoms to conspiracy theories. Uh, and I hope to get a doctor on the show. I was unable to get uh, doctors to come on the show because I wanted to get some some people in the medical uh, profession. What I do have, however, are a few people that I know that I know who will tell you that Lyme disease is very real. And we're going to find out how it's affecting them, how they're dealing with it, how their experiences with the medical community has gone, and now uh, how COVID may have made this whole situation worse. Uh, first off, we have a, a friend of mine who I've known for a long time. Uh, we played a lot of sports in high school together. We almost got a fight in, what, sixth, sixth grade or fifth grade or something like that? I, I think sixth
1: is six, right, yeah.
3: <laughs> a fight that I probably would have lost. And also share uh, a love of uh, of music and photography. It's Pete Nichols, uh, who's a Ph.D. and a former philosophy uh, professor. Uh, Pete, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Brett. We also have uh, Kelly Foss uh, with us today. Kelly has been dealing with uh, Lyme disease for a few few years now, and told me that he was uh, really sick in 2017. Um, uh, Kelly, thanks for being on the show as well. Yep, thank you. And then, of course, Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism. Joe, it's going to be weird to have you on the show and not talk about walleyes.
2: It's going to be hard. To, it's going to be hard, but I think I can resist for this
3: topic. <laughs> um, Joe, it's actually your wife that has Lyme disease. How is she doing?
2: Yeah. uh, She's struggling, quite frankly. Yeah. She, uh, she's had it for uh, quite quite a long time and uh, really struggles with it. It's uh, quite debilitating.
3: Well, I wanted, I want to talk to you guys. uh, I want to go to the beginning. I want to, I want to talk about how you discovered, uh, you know, that you had Lyme disease. And Kelly, let's start with you. What, what do you remember about your first experience? You remember a, a tick, a tick bite, a rash? How did you, how did you discover this?
0: Uh, it, it, it's a long and confusing story, but I'll give you the short. Um, basically it started after an elk hunting trip out to Montana, um, grueling trip and, uh, ran into a couple of grizzly bears. Very, very, very close encounters. Um, never been that scared in my life. Uh, and the reason I tell you that part is things progressed almost instantly from that day forward. Um, The theory was that uh, I was already infected. It may have been hiding in my system. I may have been fighting it, but that surge of adrenaline possibly could have purged it into my system and and, and weakened me to a point where it just kind of started taking over. Um, Shortly in the weeks after I started getting a debilitating headache. Um, I've, heard of migraines, never really experienced them. I've talked to people with them and this was much worse than anybody ever described. I, I physically couldn't move. Um, within a month or two I was having, uh, full blown seizures, um, fatigue to where I, I couldn't even physically get out of bed or walk across the living room at points. And from there, We just started going to doctor after doctor after doctor, and they would check my blood. They'd check all my levels. Um, Everything looked normal except for maybe slight uh, vitamin deficiencies. Um, Vitamin D would drop off the charts. They couldn't figure out why that was happening. Uh, went to neurologists. And they all basically were trying to tell me that I was depressed, even though I felt like I was living my best life, you know? Um, and it got to the point where my wife and I were kind of giving up hope that we were going to figure out what it was. Um, the doctors just kept throwing medication after medication on me. A lot of it antidepressants, which made me feel worse, compounded all the, the, the uh, symptoms I was having. Um, And luckily a friend on Facebook reached out and, uh, he says, you know, man, I I have a sinking suspicion. You have Lyme disease. He says, have you been tested for it? And I said, uh, three or four times I had Lyme disease tests before that and they all came back negative or inconclusive. And he said, he explained to me that uh, that does not mean you don't have Lyme disease, even though the doctors were telling me that, that I absolutely didn't. Um, with a little research, you'll find out that uh, the false negative rates on Lyme disease tests are very high, to the point where I don't know that I would even recommend taking them to a point. Because, or or if you go and just you have to know that uh, there is the possibility that it is a false negative, and you just can't give up on it. So, through a process of elimination, we check for all the major. Uh, major ones that could cause some types of these symptoms and cross those all off the list. And, um, that buddy that reached out to me, um, he sent me to a doctor, a line literate doctor, actually the doctor that you were going to have on the show today. And, uh, when we went to that first, uh, meeting with her, my wife literally had to physically carry me into her office. I couldn't use my legs or arms anymore. And, uh, At that point, they basically said, we're gonna have to do a clinical diagnosis. She says, you've ruled out every other cause that these symptoms could be. And uh, she says, I am 99.9% sure that you have Lyme disease and co-infections. Went and got a second opinion uh, from two other doctors, um, Lyme literate doctors, and they all agreed. That uh, I was dealing with Lyme disease, Bartonella, Babesia, and uh, later after I started treatment, I developed a candida overgrowth from uh, all the antibiotics I were, was on, which is a whole other ballgame of trying to fight that as well. Um, that's kind of short version. There, there's a lot of other little things in there. But uh, that's how it started. It started with just your regular old headache that got really, really, really bad.
3: Pete, do you remember, uh, is that how it kind of went for you too? You had symptoms and they, they kind of re- went backwards? Or do you remember getting bit by a tick or anything like that?
1: Well, uh, <clears throat> see I me mean, a lot of similarities with Kelly's story. So um, I had kind of a history of, of tick bites. First of all, I grew up in the woods and I was playing out in the woods as a kid um, and then, um, 2009, I had, a, a deer tick, uh, I found a deer tick that was embedded in, in me and, um, I didn't develop a rash or anything. And, uh, we're going to find out that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean much, um, uh, no acute symptoms at that time, 2015, I, um, I did find a, a, a deer tick and I did develop a rash. Uh, I got on antibiotics right away. And uh, this was just a two-week course, which is pretty common. That, a, that um, you go on uh, back up a little bit. If you if you develop a rash, uh, Western medicine they they that's um, no test is needed. They consider that it's actually much more reliable than a than a test. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the test that they use to diagnose Lyme and. Um, uh, fortunately my, my doc recognized the rash as Lyme disease. Uh, the, the, the rash does not always present as a bull's die, And there are some docs who do not know that and will, uh, will not diagnose it as Lyme disease on that. You can do a quick search. Even the CDC has several different images of what a Lyme rash can look like. Now this is, there's a very recent update to their website. Um, and in, in, uh, some cases, no, no rash presents at all. Anyway, <clears throat> excuse me, early June, 2015, I had the rash. I got two weeks of antibiotics. Three to four is better, but I had, had uh, I think I had three weeks actually that cleared up the acute symptoms at the time, which were, uh, fever and headaches, um, and, and malaise. I have a history of, uh, chronic fatigue and some other, uh, some other symptoms all kind of associated with the endocrine system going back to 2001, that's kind of its own mystery. I don't know if any of that is tick related, but in 2015, um, the, the, the acute symptoms resolved completely within about a month to two months. And then um, I was in better shape for, or I was in decent shape for roughly a year. And it was about August of 2016. I just sort of fell off a cliff out of nowhere. And this was the only sense I've been able to make of this was exactly what Kelly was talking about, where I suspect I had some kind, one of two things. Either I had a a reactivation, they call it a, a reactivation because the, the, the lime pathogen, borel, it's a it's a spirochete, uh, Borrelia burgdorferi, that's the, the name of the main one, the main strain. Uh, if, you never really kill it off. Even if you get it earlier than antibiotics, you put it in a dormancy. It can go into a cyst form and it can lay dormant perhaps the rest of your life if you're lucky. Or mm-hmm. it can lay dormant for a while and it can reactivate under a period of high stress. So I suspect I either I either had a reactivation or else I got a different. It's possible that I got another bite, possibly from a nymph that didn't leave a rash uh, that I never detected at the time. But since 2016, I've been in decline, um, and um, the the new symptoms. I had I was already dealing with some health problems prior to that, as I mentioned. I was already having. I already dealt with uh, chronic fatigue. I had had a a head injury that never healed, um, and so I had had some I'd had some mild headaches, light and sound sensitivity, um, and the light and sound sensitivity I've since discovered are major symptoms of tick-borne diseases, and mm-hmm. that gives me suspicion that I may have had something going on prior even to 2015. But after 2015. Um, I developed I started developing muscle weakness I started having trouble walking and this is without any muscle atrophy and um, I'm, a, I'm a just kind of genetically my build is, I, is I'm muscular and so this is uh, this, this, this was, this was uh, made, made, made no sense it can only meet the only way to make sense of it is, is a neurological weakness. Um, then weakness on my arms. On bad days, it was so bad I, I, I couldn't hold up my camera or my, my binoculars. And uh, um, and the brain fog was another new symptom. Uh, I was a, a professor uh, at University of Saint Thomas, philosophy professor, and uh, I within within I was able to keep teaching another year. End of twenty end of twenty seventeen. Uh, after that semester I I had to give it up and um, uh, you know I went from writing uh, publishing papers in academic journals on extremely uh, uh, difficult topics to days when I couldn't write an email because I I couldn't just formulating the words was so difficult. And I mean, this is something I was an expert in and it didn't matter. Um, so the brain fog, the muscle weakness, the light and sound sensitivity, which, which, uh, I suspect are, uh, are, are from a tick borne disease because they, they kind of came in not immediately after my head injury. They came in sometime later. That's kind of a different story. I don't want to get into, um, and, uh, yeah, extreme fatigue, um, to as Kelly was saying, to the point that on some days I, I can't get out of bed, uh, or I can't get out of bed until halfway through the afternoon. Uh, it, it's it's a long list, and other, um, less you know, occasional minor symptoms. But, uh, yeah, I was going to write a list before this of all my symptoms, and I, I ended up kind of having a rough day yesterday. I didn't get it done because it's, I can't even remember them all. There's so many. Yep.
3: Joel, let's talk about your situation and, and your wife. Um, do, you re, do you remember a tick bite in her situation?
2: Yeah, so, you know, my, uh, my wife, Leah, uh, grew up up in Pequot Lakes. And uh, growing up as a kid, her job, one of her jobs, was to take the ticks off the dogs and you know um, never never thought anything of it you know ticks were just part of life up there and uh, you know she, uh, she was diagnosed with fibromyalgia you know which is kind of a catch-all mm-hmm. you know if you can't figure out what's going on it's fibromyalgia right so um, to make a long story short we've been uh, you know we've been married uh, um, about 11 years and um, about a year and a half after we were married we went to Mexico and um, Leah was in good health I and mean, she was working out and, and she had the fibromyalgia and some other ailments but she was you know functioning very well and uh, of all things she got bit by a spider down in Mexico and what we think happened is that's again she had Lyme in her system and that spider accelerated the dormant Lyme which she didn't know she had and her you know, she fell off a cliff I think Pete is it kind of what you said but you know uh, same thing happened so when, when she started getting these crazy symptoms a lot of pain um, headaches you know just a uh, little bit of brain fog we didn't know what what they were from we, uh, we went to numerous specialists we went to neuro, uh, neurologists and back specialists for the pain and we went all, uh, MRIs and CT scans and the University of Minnesota went all over the place finally we went to a homeopathic and I was a little bit leery because I wasn't really familiar with homeopathic you know and of course, none of that's covered by insurance, it's all out of pocket. and So they did a, a test on it where they put a, a small current through your body. They, uh, they, they wet your, your hand and they have you hold a metal probe and they take another metal probe and touch different parts of your body, almost like Eastern medicine, where different parts of your feet or hands relate to different organs and different things in your body. And they did this test and they said, well, Leah, it looks like you have a, a Rocky Mountain spotted tick, which is a form of Lyme disease and Leah you know her comment was well you know I don't think that's it because I've been tested many many times at the hospital for Lyme disease and it always shows negative negative. and what we come to learn is that you know when you get tested at the hospital or through modern medicine they only detect uh, uh, about 50 percent or less of the different strains of Lyme disease so it's a very very inconsistent test you know if you get tested at the hospital if it picks it up well you certainly have it but if it doesn't pick it up that doesn't mean you don't have it. There's yep. additional testing. So I was leery because of the homeopathic thing I wasn't used to at the time. So there's two big blood laboratories, both both coasts, very, very thorough blood laboratories, kind of expensive. But we sent her blood out to, I think it was called Igenics, which is out on the West Coast in California. And they sent uh, back the results saying, yes, you do have Lyme disease. So since then, I was like, okay, cool, because now we know what it is. Now we can treat it. Not realizing that if you give Lyme disease a 30-year head start, you might have a little bit of, a little bit of an issue, and so since then we've been to homeopathics, regular MDs, naturopaths. Leah actually went to Germany and visited Dr. Weitzel, who's pretty world renowned in, in Lyme disease treatment, and and she still struggles. I mean, some of the things we've we've done have helped her at times, but she still she doesn't drive anymore. Pretty much home ridden, many days, most days bedridden. Uh, her symptoms would be everything from a lot of pain to sensitivity to light, brain fog, uh, intermittent sleep patterns, you know, sleeps two, three hours at a time, not real deep, um, has a hard time remembering, um, high anxiety, you know, just r- really as, you know, change her life. And, you know, we, we continue to treat, treat Lyme disease for her. And, uh, you know, we're hoping that we're going to get to a point where, uh, she can uh, get a better handle on it and live more of a normal life anyway.
3: Pete, you traveled to Florida how did that experience go?
1: Yeah. So this, this, I went to Florida for a five week treatment program. This was a, a, unconventional treatment, even for Lyme, uh, because all of the conventional treatments, uh, have, have failed me. Uh, I didn't tolerate, uh, after, uh, let's see, beginning of 2018 or 2019. Actually, I went on, uh, antibiotics for, for chronic Lyme, which is you, you, you have to take a combo of two to three different antibiotics to knock mm-hmm. out not only the active, uh, spirochetes, but that it develops a biofilm like plaque that helps to protect the spirochetes. So you have to take a different antibiotic for that and generally another one for the cysts, which are the dormant, um, uh, uh, forms of Lyme that can reactivate at any point at that. Uh, I tolerated antibiotics fine in 2015. When I tried them again in 2019, I, I had a bad reaction. Uh, and, um, uh, I tried a different, uh, we, we mixed, mixed it up once, tried a different mix. It didn't help. So I, I kind of gave up on that. By that point I had already tried some, uh, a couple of different herbal protocols that are, uh, that are out there. Um, you can find them online, or, or um, there's there's a couple books uh, about the various herbs that are um, a number of people have had success with in treating Lyme. Uh, the Florida was a that was an unusual clinic. Their focus there was uh, they did a lot of IV therapy with um, vitamins, minerals, amino acids. Uh, they worked on uh, some kind of graded exercise therapy where they. They work on just very, very gradually um, increasing your tolerance for exercise, which in some cases might just be walking to the end of the driveway and back. Um, And, uh, and, and kind of working with you on, on getting a, improving your supplement protocol. They do a lot of detailed lab work to find out exactly, you know, where things are going wrong. Um, Some people have, have with Lyme develop problems, detoxifying properly, their liver gets overloaded and, uh, or their spleen, especially if they have Babesia. And, um, in my case, those showed up okay. But, uh, long, very long story short, my, my, both my central nervous system and autonomic nervous system are just, were just fried, uh, showed up in my lab work. Um, And my endocrine system, there were multiple problems. Um, And my immune system is, uh, they they told me I developed an autoimmune response, which is not uncommon with chronic Lyme. Uh, Some Mm -hmm. people develop an autoimmune response with that. Um, uh, 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 One of the severe symptoms that I developed just in the last year and a half that I haven't mentioned is chills, and I'm talking extreme chills, far worse than anything I've ever had with a fever. And these these are chills without a fever; they just kind of come and go. They seem they they have some kind of neurological basis. There's some kind of imbalance in my brain that's telling my body that I am uh, extremely cold when I'm in uh, in room temperature, or even even outside in in 80 something degrees, where I sometimes have to have to wear multiple layers, long sleeve um, the program helped with the chills immediately. The, the IVs, um, they had something in there that was balancing out this problem. But once I was done there, uh, the chills came back and, uh, I didn't notice any progress with any of my other symptoms. The one thing that this, this program did give me quite a bit of help with was in starting to get me off of some meds they they got me out and and because as uh, uh you know they they conventional medicine they'll they're they're reluctant to diagnose Lyme disease or they just don't diagnose it uh, you'll get misdiagnoses you'll get put on medications which in, at at best they may help with some of the symptoms, but in the long run, they generally cause more problems than they resolve, um, especially if you're on multiple medications. It's a lot of stress on your liver, and, um, and, and they can exacerbate things like insomnia. And so they got me off one of the, med, one of the meds that was causing me the most problems, and they got my levels down on about four more meds with sort of a, a program going forward uh, uh, from here on out after, after finishing up there on kind of how to titrate down that over time, I think may help not necessarily with the disease itself, but it'll help remove a complicating factor that has made some of my symptoms worse with some of these medications. And, um, that, so it, I don't think I, I, I ultimately benefited from the program in terms of actually tackling the disease the disease head on or and or, or uh, other diseases like bartonella as well possibly babesia but I, I think in getting getting me uh, getting me past uh a lot of psychological obstacles and in, in lowering meds and fear of of yeah you know, withdrawal and such that and just kind of going starting to go through that process realizing that it wasn't going to kill me um and I, that I can continue doing this on my own back home I think down the road at least a few months down the road that will start to pay off to some extent just, just being off just reducing my medication load um, can help with some of the symptoms I'm, I'm hopeful for that anyway
3: Kelly you were misdiagnosed uh, you said a number of times what were they telling you?
0: Uh, just about every time it came down to depression, that's all they, they could say is because it was a mental illness. Um, we checked off everything else that it could have been like ALS, um, all the big major ones that, you, that uh, have basically the same symptoms. They call Lyme disease the great imitator because it, it will present itself in so many different ways and so many different people that, that looked like a lot of other diseases. Um, so it was basically just making sure that it wasn't those, you know, where we, where we can test for those and, and we would know. Um, and, and basically that's all they that came down to uh, was antibiotics and hand me a jar full of pills and, and send me on my way with no followups or, or anything kind of just leaving me on my own. And, uh,
3: um go ahead well i was just gonna say talk about 2017 and and what you were feeling that year uh
0: 2017 leading up to the uh the elk hunt it was my first backcountry elk hunt i was eating much healthier drinking a lot less beer exercising um but I still felt like I wasn't hitting my mark. Like something was always kind of dragging me back. And I thought, well, you know, I'm mid-30s, haven't always been in the best of shape. I figured it was just going to take me a while. Um, looking back now and knowing what I can accomplish these days, doing the same thing, I believe I, I was definitely infected then. And then uh, that elk hunt came. It was physically and endure- uh, grueling, and then uh, when I say the grizzly bear thing, it was bad. Um, it, it's as close as you can get without getting scratched. Yeah, what and, happened?
3: Uh, tell us the grizzly bear story.
0: Uh, we got there day one, um, hiked in eight or nine miles, set up our little uh, two man tent, went out glassing. On our way back to the tent at uh, at dusk, where he, you know you, you don't need a headlamp, but you can barely see and I see this dark figure across about 50 yards in front of us and I look over to my partner and said hey I think that's a grizzly bear and he goes what and uh, I, I giant mammoth of a shadow and I said that that's definitely a grizzly bear and uh, so I, I pulled out my sidearm he got out his bear spray and I figured I'm just gonna let this bear know that we're in the area and I said hey bear Hey bear, and on that second hey bear, its ears perked up. It looked straight at us and took off on a dead charge right for us. Um, at about 15 yards, I was squeezing that trigger, but never never fired. The bear put on the brakes and jumped into a pile of brush and just sat there and, and huffed at us. That was scary. Not the end of the world, um, except our tent was 400 yards away and we we had to spend the night knowing there was a grizzly right in the area Mm um long story short we got up the next day said you know it was a fluke deal we ran into the bear the bear ran into us um we weren't going to give up on day one we headed out and hiked i think 15 miles heading back to the uh tent and we were walking into a like a avalanche chute uh metal clearing and when you get into these open areas you uh you kind of let your guard down for a second. You, you just feel a little safer. Um, as soon as I let my guard down, you heard that noise that you never want to hear, it, that grisly growl, and it was right there. I spun around, and about 20 yards, this bear is coming full speed. I had no time to get my firearm out, and me and my partner, we kind of split and separated, and I think that's when the bear realized there was two of us. And it ran within spitting distance and changed course slightly and ran right past me. At that moment, I thought we were dead. You know, there was nothing we could have done. This 900 pound animal coming screaming out of the brush, out of nowhere. Uh, I've never felt adrenaline like that in my life. Um, I, I didn't know whether to cry, scream, fall over, or what. Um, but it was only day two and we're on a 10 day trip and, uh, the realization of this is, this is a little hairier than, than we expected, um, set in and, uh, I, that's when the problems started. Um, I didn't notice it right then, but I would, two days later was when the headache started coming in and we thought maybe it was altitude sickness, um. Nobody else was getting sick, but, you know, that altitude can affect everyone a little differently. Um, but when I got back home, the it never went away, and it just kept getting worse and worse. And uh, how long I, I had it before then, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm your average Midwest country boy. I grew up in the woods pulling thousands of ticks off me over the years. Never once thought about... Uh, Lyme disease the entire time. You heard of it, but you never really gave it two two thoughts unless you know someone that has it. Um, so,
3: so you think that encounter with a grizzly bear is stressed stressed your body and activated Lyme disease within your body?
0: Uh, I've had three Lyme doctors tell me that that is a very good indicator of what happened.
3: Man, so um, so looking back now, <laughs> are you this is kind of a weird question but are you more fearful fearful of lyme disease or that grizzly bear
0: lyme disease 100 um what i know now had i known years prior this is not something anybody wants to deal with um if you don't have the support around you i don't know how somebody would even survive this um Lyme disease.
3: You told me that that you weren't sure that you were going to survive in 2017.
0: Uh, yeah, there were months I laid on the couch or in bed feeling like I was fighting for my life every second of the day. It was relentless. Um, I was having like electrical shocks running through my arms and my fingers and my brain, um, that would send me into a seizure-like episode. Um, They weren't what you would call a seizure because I was awake and coherent the whole time, but I couldn't control my body. My hands and arms would atrophy to where they were stuck like this all the time. Um, If it wasn't for my wife, I know for a fact I wouldn't be here, whether it was by my own doing or the disease finally just... The disease itself usually doesn't kill you. It will cause something else to fail your heart. Or I've heard of guys developing cancer out of nowhere because your immune system is is fighting nonstop that it allows other things to come in and, and just take hold. Um, without my wife by there by my side, there's not a chance I would have made it through it. She, she didn't give up and she wouldn't let me give up.
3: Joe, that's uh, something that you can probably relate to uh, being there for your wife as she's gone through this. Are some of these symptoms, does that sound uh, similar to what your wife has told you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, Kelly, what you just said, you know, my wife woke up one night uh, when we didn't know that it was Lyme disease, but she had the symptoms. And while we're going through the process of trying to figure out what's going on, you know, uh, she woke me up and her, her arms were curled in almost like MS, Mm-hmm. And uh, you want to talk mm-hmm. about scary, you know, but uh, and I think the other thing, too, is, you know, my, my heart goes out to you guys because I know what you're dealing with, because I, I live with it every day with my wife, although I don't have to walk, do it. And, you know, I think the other thing is, you know, there, there's a, a term in the Lyme world called Lyme loonies. Mm-hmm. And where Lyme loonies comes from is there was uh, somebody at a, you know, I think a medical facility or a hospital, pr- pretty well-known one. That in a behind-the-scenes email, he says, well, if I just wouldn't have to deal with all these Lyme loonies anymore, you know, life would be a lot easier. Well, that, that, so it kind of became a, a tagline for people that have Lyme disease, that all just all, all of us Lyme loonies. And, you know, the, the figure that people use is somebody with their eyes real big and bloodshot and their hair is messed up. And, and it's because of all the symptoms that Lyme causes. It's just mm. so hard. And, you don't know, want to say that you know, a lot of people question Lyme disease and they question people that have Lyme disease. Is this something psychological? Is this something else? And, you know, for a Lyme Lyme person, when when your medical provider who maybe isn't real familiar with Lyme, hears of other people and there's exact same symptoms, it's almost credibility to you as a human being that you see it's not just me. These symptoms are identical and this is real. And it's not just a psychological thing. Uh, I don't know if you guys have experienced that or not. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um, the mental aspects of this, uh, um, I was literally losing my mind at times. I, there were points where I didn't even recognize being in my own home. I don't know how to explain that to anyone. Um, I didn't recognize my wife or kids, things people were talking to me that just the words didn't make sense, like they were speaking a foreign language. And then you go into a doctor and trying to explain it to them when you don't have the words yourself. Um, Even speaking for a long time, even today, it takes a significant amount of effort to form the words before they actually come out of my mouth. my wife can tell when it's getting bad because I'll start mumbling, and and, and I don't even notice it. Like it, it, it's so sneaky and slides in so so secretly that it twists your brain to where you're not even thinking straight at all anymore. Um, and and then add in the memory issues on top of all that, it's such a complex web to even. Form words to describe what's happening to yourself. And
1: following up on that, um, uh, whether it's doctors, whether it's the general public, <clears throat> uh, you know, th- there's a, there's a term out there called invisible disabilities, and and Lyme, for the most part, tends to fall under that because while the things that Kelly and Joe are talking about are very visible, quite visible to somebody who's living with you. They're okay. not visible to somebody who isn't living with you. So, uh, if I'm, if I don't, if I'm not out, um, uh, with say, say with friends for a few months, um, they might notice that I haven't showed up, but what pe- people don't, people don't notice, we don't notice absences nearly as easy as what's right in front of our eyes. The days that I do show up, I show up because those are, you know, Lyme, it's known that we have better and worse days. Um, <clears throat> my good days have gotten less or so-called good days. have gotten less and less frequent, but occasionally I'll show up on um, well not, not as much now with COVID of course, but kind of talking before that, I'd show up to, hang out with friends or to, to go, uh, birding. I'm, I'm a, I'm a birder. That's my main outdoor activity with friends. And, and, uh, I'd be talking okay. And what they don't see is, uh, I mean they, they get a two to three hour snapshot of me when I'm at my best. Mm -hmm. They don't Mm -hmm. see what that takes out of me. They don't see how much rest and prep I have to do beforehand to be able to do that. They don't see the struggle. Even now, nobody can see the struggle in my head, trying to keep myself alert, formulating sentences like Kelly was saying. And a doctor certainly isn't going to see that in a 15-minute visit. And if they Mm -hmm. see, uh, there's a kind of a paradox. It's like if you're lucid and articulate enough to really explain to the doctor to do a good job explaining what's going on, It's going to seem less like you're sick. You're going to appear more healthy. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you can't, then the doctor is less likely to understand what's going on or to try to understand what's going on with you. They're Mm -hmm. going to be much more likely to chalk it up to, as Kelly said, depression, anxiety, things like that. Personally, I've had uh, a couple of really good doctors here in the Twin Cities that I was already established with. And I would, you know, I was already seeing them about, uh, you know, other issues like my my head injury and other health problems. And they I had developed a a good enough rapport with them that they really took me seriously. And when it came came to the Lyme disease, uh, they didn't brush it off. They didn't they didn't go along with it. they didn't just completely go along with it and either, uh, but they didn't brush it off and they didn't pretend to have some other explanation of what was going on. Um, they knew that I do my research and that I, I know how to research. Um, they knew that I don't come in and fake stuff. You know, these doctors knew that. So, um, I, I at least have had that, um, but I had to do all the detective work, all the detective work on my own. As far as, uh, as Kelly said, my diagnosis uh, was also, was also clinical based on, based on symptoms, based on ruling out other conditions, based on past exposure to ticks. And in many cases, that's the only kind of diagnosis you can get. Um, Uh, the, there, there was a study, excuse me, of, it was a meta study, which is a study of other studies. It was, so it was a kind of a review of six different studies on the standard Lyme test. It's the only test insurance companies will pay for. And it's a combination of West with the Western blot and the Elisa. They call it a two tiered test that that review study of these six other studies of that test found that it had roughly a 50% false negative rate. Which, meant, which means that 50% of the time, if you have Lyme, it's not gonna detect it. Basically, yes. if you go in there with Lyme and they give you that test, you might as well flip a coin as to whether it's gonna detect your Lyme or not. And that, that mm-hmm. test is 25 years old. Uh, other tests have been um, developed by independent researchers and presented to the CDC. And and the CDC has refused to allow them to go to market. This happened uh, in 2010. Uh, It resulted in a $56 million lawsuit from the person who developed the test. He argued that the CDC had agreed to, (coughs) excuse me, contracted with him to release the test. They later reneged on that contract. The lawsuit ultimately failed because they said the independent doctor wasn't able to sufficiently prove that the CDC had fully committed. These are my words. I'm not sure I'm getting this correct, but the, the, mm-hmm. the CDC had fully committed to releasing the test. Now, if that's true, fine. But that still leaves the question: Why on earth wouldn't the CDC release this test? It had a it had a 99 uh, apparently a 99 percent. Uh, 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 Accuracy. Accuracy. um, Over this twenty-five-year-old test that's been shown in in published studies to have a fifty percent false negative rate, and and there's a reason for that. It's because the this old test tests antibody presence, which is a terribly unreliable way of of Mm -hmm. testing for Lyme disease, even in the acute stage, because it's well known that. It, uh, in published literature it, it can take the body up to two weeks to mount a sufficient antibody response to the pathogen so that it will show actually show up in the test um, and that, that that's that's only part of the reason that's not the full story uh, this this new test was a more direct test it didn't test for antibodies it uh, i forget the details but it reputedly had some, something like a 99% hit rate, and the CDC didn't release it. Now, whether they breached contract or not, even if they didn't breach contract, it still leaves you wondering, why wouldn't they release this test that has such a high hit rate when we're stuck with this 25-year-old test with a 50% false negative rate? And yeah. allegedly, uh, from things I've read, I don't know for sure whether this is true, but There, uh, I've heard that there are key players both in the CDC and in the IDSA. That's the Infectious Disease Society of America. I've read that there are people with in decision making and in 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 positions of power who have royalties in this old Mm -hmm. faulty test. Um, If that's true, that could potentially explain why we're not seeing any better tests coming along
2: or being, being only, authorized say by the too, CDC. You know, Peter, to, to follow up on that, you know, um, what, one thing about Lyme disease that I notice is that one of the things that's truly really hard. Number one, testing isn't real accurate. Uh, n- n- number two, um, whether it's medical professionals or the public or anybody, a lot of people don't believe in Lyme disease. They don't believe it's real. yet you have um, LLMDs, Lyme literate MDs who dedicate their profession to treating Lyme disease Yet you have their colleagues who say, you know, chronic Lyme disease isn't even real. And then on top of it, you know, modern medicine does not have a good handle on Lyme disease. No. But mm-hmm. A lot of people, the, the way they get treated are, are non-traditional means. Homeopathic the the research
1: food. funds are, 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 they are, um, incredibly, um, Uh, small compared to other diseases, it's, it's, I've, I, I, I wish I prepared a graphic on this because it's, it's staggering. It's almost unbelievable how little funding it receives. And you compare it to other, well, worthy causes like HIV and and hepatitis, of course, but it receives per person. It's, it's might be, it's in the single digits uh, as far as percent, probably a fraction of 1%. The so, amount of funding that some of these others receive. So what uh, I'm happens, sorry, man? Joe, I, I just wanted to. to yeah, no, that's
2: that. I'm, and Peter, I'm glad you did chime in, you know, but, you know, and, and to that point, it's like, OK, number one, h- how do you get treatment? Where do you go for treatment? Because, you know, you might hear that somebody had really good luck at a homeopathic, but that's five people had real good results out of 200. So you mm-hmm, go there, yep. you spend all out of pocket dollars, you do it for 18 months, it doesn't work. And then you got to go somewhere else. And over time, it's hard because you lose faith. Uh, it seems like almost all the treatments for Lyme disease are out-of-pocket expense, and who mm-hmm. can afford that? And it's out-of-pocket expense. Plus, the person that has Lyme disease oftentimes is out of work or can't work to a capacity they used to work at. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just there's just a lot of uh, a lot of real challenges to it. Yet it's very very real, and you know there, there's a very high and guys. I think you can probably attest to this because of Lyme disease and what it does to you neurologically because of the lifestyle you have to live and, and all the ailments, there's a very high suicide rate amongst Lyme disease patients.
1: I've, I've read right. that it's the the number one leading cause of death among people yes. with Lyme disease. It it
2: um,
1: and, 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 and one other thing um, just, just to follow up on that uh, is that, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, I Igenics as uh, one of the what you know, Kind of the, the the best West Coast uh, testing company. Um, just for listeners, just to lest there be any confusion, these are th- those those tests require out of pocket. No insurance yeah. Co- yeah. company covers them. So, when I'm talking about this this faulty two tiered test. That's the only test that any insurance company will cover. That's the only test that the CDC <laughs> has approved to be covered. So, there are better tests out there. And you can go through other companies, private companies like Igenix, but you have to go out of pocket and it is not cheap.
2: Well, Pete, at least at least your treatment down in Florida was all taken care of through insurance, right? <laughs> no, it was not. You know, it, 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 we, we, we laughed about it and we laughed about it before the show actually started when we first met. But, you know, it's like, there, man, from Lyme disease perspective, hardly anything is covered by insurance. And it's really right. between that the The uh, impression people have of Lyme disease patients in some cases, the struggle that goes on with with Lyme disease patients, um, the the whole thing is really, really challenging. So
3: yeah. so, so why does uh, why is it so hard to get insurance to cover some of these things, and what can be done to
2: change that? Oh boy. Well, I mean, uh, first off, some some of the medical community doesn't even acknowledge Lyme disease, chronic Lyme disease is a real thing. That's yeah. one of the things. Secondly, quite frankly, I mean, insurance companies, as a rule, and in no disrespect to anybody who works with insurance, but you, know, you you can have the exact same protocol covered this year and next year, tw- they'll cover twenty percent less.
1: Yeah, I uh, the one sign of hope there is, I forget the full name because it's long, but there's a tick-borne uh, disease panel. Uh, it's an official, it's it's only a couple years old, I think the first meeting was in 2018, and uh, formed, um, I believe, I, I forget, uh, some government agency called for the formation of this panel, and it does have some, a lot of Lyme literate medical doctors on it, um, and uh, they, um, they're making recommendations to Congress, and uh, I think I think to the FDA and the CDC, and perhaps with time, this panel may start to make some inroads. There have been small uh, uh, small increases in funding in line the last couple of years, uh, and and there was a bill. Um, Uh, I can't remember if it passed or not, at least proposed by a couple of members of the House, a bipartisan bill asking for greater funding for Lyme disease. Hmm. And so awareness is it's so late in the game, but it it is increasing. It's increasing slowly, but it is increasing. Um, That gives me some hope that in the coming years, research money might uh, research dollars towards Lyme might go up and there may be increasing acceptance in the medical community. I think it probably will be slow, but I think we might already be starting to go in that direction.
2: You know, when you when you get a when you get a a, a more well known disease or ailment it let's just use a terrible one cancer, but normally when you get cancer, you know they, they really have a fairly um, defined protocol that you follow. For the treatment of whatever that kind of cancer is. When you get Lyme disease, it literally is all over the board. You get opinions and you get really well-meaning people, you you know, coming up with, with this homeopathic or that naturopath or this physician, or, I mean, it's all literally all over the place. And it, it, there, there is no, no It's literally overwhelming the number of treatments and the expense of those treatments. And, and then, you know, uh, to, to, go, to go to other states, where let's say other than Minnesota, where there are different kind of treatments that are more readily accepted that are non-traditional. So if you go to an Arizona or a Florida or a California, let's say, boy, well, I tell you, you know, you're, you're talking about tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars for some of these treatments. It's yeah. it's like rolling the dice. And then you know, what makes me nervous. Is you know, I certainly would give everything I could for for Leah's health. But when you see these companies marketing, where they're retargeting you and you're getting all these ad pitches and stuff. What what do you believe? Because Mm -hmm. we've tried many things that we thought would perhaps work and we're optimistic and they Mm haven't.
3: Let's let's shift gears just slightly and talk about what we're dealing with in addition to everything else, and that's COVID right now. How has the COVID situation affected uh, each of you with your your current um, health issues.
2: Well, I can just say for, for Leah it actually uh, she's pretty much kind of been home ridden anyway we would go you know go to a doctor's appointment once in a while it's actually a uh, n- not number one it creates a lot of anxiety because obviously her immune systems jeopardized so it creates a lot of anxiety uh, we're very worried that if she would get it um, the other part though that's more of a positive is that there's there's many more options with health care to do uh, televisits over the phone, over the video, that yeah. that part of it's opened up. So that opens up a lot more uh, health uh, experts to her than would have been allowed a year ago. Let's say.
1: Yeah, yeah. On my end, similar. I was already largely, if not mostly, homebound, um, uh, able to get out less and less, and uh, but it it ha- it has still been tough you know, not for instance, not even being able to have friends and family come over as often for visits, that's made, made it much more difficult. But again, with, um, the, the availability of, um, meeting my doctors just via video without having to drive in has made that a lot easier.
3: Well, and you know, a lot of people are talking about, Avoiding hospitals right now—that's one of these side effects of COVID that people are talking about. Mm-hmm. Is people are afraid to go to the doctor, go into these buildings, uh, and mm-hmm. and people with uh, other ailments could be uh, affected negatively because of that, because they can't go see their caregiver. Are you are you experiencing that, Kelly, at all?
0: Yeah, I'm, even things like this, this digital conference thing. Um, the reason I wanted my wife to come with is because things don't really sink in for me at all. Um, I have to be face to face. It takes time so I can ask questions over and over again. Um, and I can't do that anymore because all my doctors have basically shut their practices down and only do video conferences now. Um, so, and, and I was already on the road to just treating myself. We've exhausted all our funds we can't do any special treatments anymore um Lyme literate doctors are very expensive and out of pocket um but I felt that between my wife having a nursing background and me slowly getting better I I mean I am much much better than where I was even a year ago um that we were just going to go ahead and self-treat for a while anyway, just to save up some money and and just see how it goes. Um, A lot of doctors can pile a lot on you um, in the way of treatments. It will become a full-time job. I was spending eight, nine hours a day taking different tinctures, different pills, going to a sauna, um, just taking hour-long soaks in the tub with Epsom salts. Um, It was a full-time job treating it. And now with when COVID first came and they pulled the children out of the school, my wife has to, you know, she has to work still. She's keeping us all afloat. So I was our full-time caregiver for our children too when I couldn't even take care of myself at that point. Um, It was very, very scary in the beginning. Um, Not knowing... My health issues and what this covid could do to it, um, all the mystery behind it. and then having the kids on top of it was was very scary. and and now I, I I think I've learned to just relax, stay home as much as possible. Don't get too wound up about it. That extra anxiety anxiety will worsen your health state, um, especially when you're so fragile, like these, people with Lyme disease, you've got to try and keep that positive mental aspect going in your life and in every direction you can. And COVID was not helping
3: that. (laughs) COVID, what a mess. Uh, Joe, what, what message would you give to people out there watching this right now? I mean, obviously you want to, you all would probably agree to try to tell people to take more preventative measures when they're walking through the woods, permethrin, whatever, uh, check for ticks, Mm -hmm. all that good stuff. But aside from that, and this is question really is for all of you guys, but Joe, you can start. If somebody says, man, what, what can I do? You know, how can I help? Is there a, you know, is there a way they can donate to somebody that's doing research or is there any type of help people out there can offer?
2: You know, uh, I, I don't know the exact answer to where you could donate and what you could support. These other guys might have a better handle on that. I can tell you this, that uh, I think one of the things is just uh, be, being cognizant of Lyme disease. And you talk about, number one, preventative measures, very important. First, prevent it, don't even get it. Secondly, just know that if, if you get a small tick on you or any one of your family members, if, if you have any kind of reaction to the point of a mosquito bite, it doesn't have to be a bullseye rash. You don't have to get all these formalized symptoms. If you think that you have something, go in and get uh, doxy, doxycycline, I think it's called. But yeah. the, the antibiotic that takes your line, go in and get doxycycline immediately. And if your doctor won't give it to you, go to another doctor. Well, yep. You need to get that as fast as you can. And like these gentlemen said, you know, two to four weeks treatment, There's there's different perspectives on it, but just get it in your system. That can be very effective if you take it right away to knock this thing out. But it doesn't have to be a bullseye. It can just be a little bit of a, almost like a little mosquito bite even. Um, Just get it in your system. And then I think the other thing is, and know the hospital tests like we said over and over, the hospital tests are very unreliable. So there are lots of other more uh, uh, better tests that take that really determine if you do have Lyme disease in your system and other co-infections which can be just as bad. And then, you know, on top of that, I think just um, having an understanding that Lyme disease is real and giving empathy and encouragement to people that have Lyme disease and families that have Lyme disease. It's a real thing. We deal with it. You're going to hear, as time goes on, mark my words, you're going to hear that people with different types of ailments, more and more is going to come out how they really had Lyme disease all along. Um, As Kelly said, Lyme disease is a great mimicker. It mimics over a hundred different things. When you take antibiotics, everybody thinks, well, just take antibiotics. Can't you take IV antibiotics and knock it out? tell you what happens. You can take IV antibiotics and you can get extremely sick from that because it wears down your system. On top of that, uh, Lyme disease has the ability to morph in your system so it can morph and hide so that when antibiotics are all gone, it can come back even stronger when it comes back to life. Yeah. So it's, it's, not, it's not easy to treat. So just, just be cognizant that there, there are a lot of, uh, I guess, misnomers out there when it comes to the actual disease.
3: Well, there I know yeah. you brought up ALS at one point there, Kelly. Hasn't there been some links maybe to ALS and Lyme disease?
0: They very well could be the same thing. Um, I try not to get too deep into the weeds on, on all that. My ability to retain information is pretty poor, but uh, I've heard it enough. To, to know that there is a link there um, or a possible
1: link. Um, I, I read MS, the same. Yeah. MS. Sorry, Callie, go ahead. I, just, just, yep. just echoing that. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, one other thing I wanted to just mention before I forget about it is if you get bit – save that tick. It doesn't matter if it's a regular wood tick or a deer tick or any type of tick, save that tick because you can test those ticks with 99% accuracy for not just Lyme disease, but the co-infections. If you can figure out what exactly you are dealing with before you have to start dealing with it, you are light years ahead of the game. Um, Cause once it's in you and in your system, it's a guessing game until you find that perfect cocktail of, of lifestyle, diet, and treatments uh, that that uh, will get you better. Um, so save that tick. That all you have to do is uh, Google tick testing, and about 50 different uh, businesses will pop up. There's places that'll do it for free. Um, save that tick. Put it on a piece of tape. So because I don't think people really realize how small a nymph deer tick is. It is almost impossible to see with the naked eye. Um, and that's all it takes. So if you get bit, do whatever you can to get it out whole. If it's burrowed in, you're going to have to cut it out, go into a doctor, have them cut it out, save that thing, send it in. You'll know within a couple days whether it was infected with any type of disease. And then you can get on that doxycycline and fight your doctor to get that doxycycline. Um, they will, there's a lot of doctors that will push back on that big time. And, and you, the way I've told my friends, I've had four friends go in with bullseyes this year and the doctors say, here's one pill of doxycycline. What is one pill going to do? Um, I said, get three to six weeks and ask your doctor what the side effects from just taking the, the doxycycline is going to be. It's not going to hurt you. It, um, there's no reason they should deny you that. I believe. people hmm. um, so yeah, get save those ticks. <laughs>
2: sure, that's great I, advice. I'm curious too, guys. You, 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 one of the things you brought up, Kelly, which is really important, and P- you too. But diet. Are you guys on pretty strict diets? Hardcore. I've lost a hundred pounds in the last year and a half. Oh my gosh! Strictly, strictly diet. But, but the diet, the diet you're on, the purpose, I don't think, is to lose weight, isn't it? A specific diet because of Lyme disease.
0: Um. Yeah. The way I look at it is you want to do absolutely everything you can to have your body working for you. And across the board, diet is number one. Once you realize that and the diet can be very different for different people. We're all different genetics. You've got to experiment and find out what works for you. I was straight vegetarian for a year and I'm a meat eater. I'd never eaten vegetables before this. I mean, very little unless they were with my meat. Um, I was willing to do it. Um, Then I switched over to a carnivore diet, which is the exact opposite. It was straight meat and fat. Um, And I did that against my doctor's wishes, but out of desperation to try something. And that's when everything changed for me. And I'm not recommending anyone else do it. I did it for myself, but I think it was those healthy fats getting back and getting my brain working again. At least that's the research I did is that those fats will really help brain activity and I would say within three weeks of doing that, uh, it was like the lights turned back on for me. Yep. And since then, I, I do like a mixture of of healthy fats and healthy vegetables and a little bit of fruit well, if it's and gonna, avoid sugar.
3: If it's going to turn you into a vegetarian, now we know how serious the situation is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hate to make jokes. Yeah. Uh, Pete? No. What... Um, for somebody out there, is there is there some good research out there that you can recommend or, or somebody that people could support or um, some way we can help raise money for research out there?
1: There, there are some good organizations. Um, the, the, the largest one is, and the most influential that I'm aware of is ILADS. That's an acronym. It stands for International Lyme and Associated Diseases. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm getting blanking on the last part. Um, they are doing a lot of research. They are educating physicians, um, and um, so that's that is one excellent organization. I L A D S. Um, and then there is a newer charity, the Twin Cities Lime Foundation. They are, um, uh, so far, I really like them. They, what they do is, you, you can if you have lime, you can uh, put your name in there and get on a waiting list. And they are funding people with lime who can't afford it to go in and get uh, an initial and follow-up appointment with a Lyme literate, Lyme literate medical doctor or naturopathic doctor. Uh, so they fund the first two visits. And um, I was able to get in and see a, a Lyme literate naturopathic doctor through them and get my first two visits funded. Um, and that, that's, a, that's a big deal. But I that's mean, because awesome. we're talking about all these out of pocket expenses and uh, Lyme doesn't <laughs> Lyme doesn't only affect people who have a little bit of extra money laying around. It affect, it can affect anybody. And there are a lot of people out there with Lyme disease who, from the get go, do not have the ex, uh, 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 enough extra money to do any kind of out of pocket treatment. So uh, Twin Cities Lyme Foundation, that's another one that I, a uh, local one that I think is very good. I
3: agree. All right, guys. Well, uh, I really appreciate the time uh, here on the show today. I wish you well, uh, Pete and Kelly. I wish you guys health and uh, and hope hope you guys have better days ahead. And of course, Joe, wish your wife well for us. And uh, uh, guys, if there's if there's anything else you would like uh, people to know, forward it to me, and I'll share it here with everything that we do with Sporting Journal Radio. Uh, but uh, good luck with everything, and thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks, Brett. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate it. This has been the Finding Fur and Feathers hunting podcast. Part of the Sporting Journal Radio family. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts or visit us at findingfurandfeathers.com.
2: Did you know there are more than 1,000 lakes
1: in Ottertail County?
2: Yep. And I'm going to fish as many as I can. I'm an outdoorsy otter. Nothing beats a full day of fishing for me. The lakes of Ottertail County give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch. Not an outdoorsy otter? No problem. Ottertail County has something for everyone. You just need to find your inner otter. Go to this site right here.
3: Devil's Lake is legendary, and this summer has been legendary for walleyes. Don't miss out. Call Haybale Heights Campground and Resort today to book one of their modern cabins on East Bay. The cabins are furnished with a full bathroom, kitchen, and all the amenities like high-speed internet, and are clean following CDC guidelines. Staying at Haybale Heights gives you full access to a private boat launch, fish cleaning station, and beach area. Learn more at haybaleheights.com. That's haybaleheights.com. Plan your trip to legendary Devil's Lake today. As we all navigate through the tough times of 2020, finding new ways to enjoy summer has become a way of life. If you're searching for the perfect getaway this summer, look no further than the walleye capital of the world, Lake of the Woods. Fish the Rainy River, Big Traverse Bay, and don't forget you can still experience the uniqueness of the Northwest Angle. For your best chance to catch big fish, go where the big fish are. Lake of the Woods, plan your trip at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. If trophy lake trout and monster northern pike are on your list this summer, book a trip to Tazin Lake Lodge in northwestern Saskatchewan. Everything from numbers to big fish. See pictures, videos, and more at tazinlake.com. This is quite the fishery. Our five-star chef will feed you well after a day of chasing giants on Tazin Lake. Dream come true. Get rates, dates, and more of what you can expect it can be the best you ever had you at tazinlake.com. That's tazinlake.com. Tazin Lake Lodge is a proud partner
2: of Tourism Saskatchewan.